it's that much more important for those of us who can to take that extra effort to come in, make the appointment, donate whole blood, donate platelets, whatever it is you can do. You can do it, perhaps other people can't, and we know that there's a huge, huge need. Welcome to this edition of Bloodworks 101, a podcast from the Pacific Northwest Blood Center, Bloodworks Northwest, designed to inspire you to donate time, money, or blood. I'm Bill Harper. Leo Notenboom says his tagline is coffee, corgis, and computers, but not necessarily in that order. And Leo is a busy guy. Once the 342nd employee at Microsoft, Leo is today self-employed, a volunteer for the Washington State Animal Response Team, an amateur radio operator, and a very dedicated corgi enthusiast. He hosts the annual Pacific Northwest Corgi Picnic every year at his Woodenville home with over 150 dogs in attendance, and yes, the photos are as cute as you're imagining them to be right now. In between all that, Leo was a dedicated platelet donor too, with his lifelong positivity driving not just his over 100 life-saving donations, but everything else he does. Here's Bloodworks' own Helen Pitlick with When Corgis Fly, Leo's Story. So, you donate a lot. You're, are you on the tree of life now? You're at 104. Is this 105 for you? So, I believe it's 105, but, um... I recently got one of those little leaf awards for 200 and that's for I think units so donating platelets you're donating multiple units so it's actually racking up a little faster but in theory yes this is donation number 105 awesome congratulations thank you <laughs> well I want to talk with you about what got you donating I would love to hear more about you and who you are sure uh, well, obviously, my name's Leo Notenboom. I am a local. I've been in the Pacific Northwest my entire life. Um, some years ago, I believe, I mean, we're talking 30-plus years ago, uh, uh, the Puget Sound Blood Center at that time had a, a donation drive at my workplace. And I donated, and that was fine. It, it all worked, made, made a lot of sense. Uh, one of the things I learned at that time, or shortly thereafter, was about donating platelets and that it was a little bit more of an involved procedure, a little bit lengthier, but it was something that I felt I could do. I had lots of flexibility in terms of how much time I could spend on it. It didn't bother me to sit in a comfy chair for an hour and a half. Um, so I started doing that. Um, now, it says 30 years ago, I did end up taking a break. Um, I had a couple of issues come up, and that's fine. And about, I'll say, five years ago, I decided to re-engage. Things had been going basically very well in my life. I was exceptionally grateful for the way things have been going. And this is one of those very obvious ways, very easy ways for me to give back in a way that I think a lot of other people might not be able to or might not be willing to. Um, it's a little bit of a commitment, like I said, an hour and a half in the chair, but it's comfortable, it's something that I can do, and it just works. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, it sounds like for you it's just, Sort of, it sort of feels like it fits in really naturally into your life. Um, I know that you, and I'm, I'm excited to ask you about all of your different interests and hobbies and professional careers and your dogs and all of that. You are busy. How, how do you fit 
donating platelets in to everything else you do? So I'm self-employed, which means I work at home and I set my own schedule. So being able to take a break in the middle of the day to do something like this is just not a problem. How I fit it in is I just make time for it. I, uh, when I get home today, one of the things I'll do is I'll go visit my calendar, go visit the Bloodworks website, and I'll schedule up my next donation probably for about three weeks out. And I just do that. It's a matter of making sure that it happens, and it does. And of course, in those cases where I forget to schedule when I get home, about a week or so later, I get a phone call <laughs> right? asking me if I would. It's just not a problem at all. So it really does boil down to just making it a part of the, of the routine. So tell me about, you, you strike, the word I, looking at your website, the word I would use for you is eclectic, maybe? I love that word, yes. Um, tell me a little bit about your current, what's your current passion? Your current passion. My current passion, wow. I can't pick just one. Um, the, the tagline that I sometimes use is coffee, corgis, and computers, not necessarily in that order. Um, I have, uh, we have two corgis at home. As it turns out, literally while I'm sitting here, our breeder is coming to visit us for the weekend. So we will have probably about eight or ten dogs running around the house all weekend long. It's a blast, trust me. Uh, we normally host what's called the Pacific Northwest Corgi Picnic every year. Uh, that happens in the summer. We have a, about an acre's worth of fenced backyard, and we have a hundred of the dogs running around in our backyard, um, just having a good time. So that's clearly a lot of fun and one of the passions. Technology has always been a passion. It's what I've done since I, the moment I discovered computers in school, it was love at first sight. I made a career of it. I spent 18 years at Microsoft. I've been working on my own now for roughly another 18, 19 years. Um, and it's still all about playing with computers. And what I've done is I've tried to turn that into a little bit of a business that helps explain computers or explain computers or explain technology to what I'll call the average user. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that technologists take for granted that the people we expect to be using our technology don't. They don't understand. And that's where I try to come in. So there's definitely technology is a huge, huge part of the picture for sure. Yeah. And so I saw that you save lives in other ways with the, the Washington, is it the dog rescue? I can't remember the name. Can you tell me a little bit about that? How does that, it seems like in, when I look at it, like the saving lives with platelets is very similar to saving lives with dogs. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So the Washington State Animal Response Team, or WASART, is an organization that it's easy to confuse with search and rescue. We don't really do a lot of search, but we do the rescue part of that. So if you're up a trail um, and your dog, for some reason, can't make it back down because they've cut their paws up on the rocks or so forth, we have the people and the equipment to come up the trail and help you get the dog down. If you have a horse that has fallen or is stuck in mud or, as we had a couple of weeks ago, fallen into a well, the back end of the horse was in a well. We have, again, the tools, the expertise, the technology for people to come out and help get that horse to safety. Uh, so that's a lot of what Wasart is really all about. It's, it originated as a result of Hurricane Katrina because there, was a lot of, there were a lot of people who would not leave their homes because of their pets. 
and that really highlighted the, uh, the need for some form of animal rescue resource for those kinds of scenarios. So we also, for example, last week when it was so very hot here, we manned a cooling station for your pets because a lot of the cooling stations for people can't take pets. We understand that that's important to people and that people will actually do the wrong thing for themselves in the name of doing the right thing for their pets. We're all pet owners. We understand. We identify with that. And that's why Wasart exists, to kind of help people uh, you know, rescue their animals and provide comfort for their animals in emergency situations. I love that. Like, I'm an animal person myself, and so I just love animals. But I know that it, that doesn't always resonate so much with you know people who are people people. And just the fact that animals are so tied into people in our own existence is really special. Where would you say your love of helping people, whether it's through platelet donation or animal rescue, where does that come from? You know, I honestly don't know. I can't say. It's just one of those things that has been a part of what I do and, and how I operate um, as the opportunities have presented themselves. Wasart is a great example. I've always been an animal lover, was raised with animals. There was just no question that they would always be a part of my life. But I'm also an amateur radio operator, right? So I volunteer for a couple of the emergency preparedness organizations in the area. And when I discovered Wasart some six years ago or thereabouts, I learned that they were using amateur radio. And I thought, what a wonderful way to use skills that I can bring to the table for an organization that I believe in. Now, of course, that's expanded to include things like, yes, I'm the one that manages their website. I handle their, their technology needs and so forth. But the bottom line is that it's the skills that I have, be it technology or radio or other things, that have directed me to a couple of these volunteer opportunities that have really paid off for me, that really, really do well. Yeah, and I think that really ties back into what you said about blood donation. You know, you can do it, you can help, you have that ability, not everybody does, and so you're going to give your part. But I also love that you're bringing up like the emergency preparedness and emergency rescue. One thing with Bloodworks that we really want to hit home for people is that we are part of emergency preparedness. You know, having blood on the shelf. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe talk a little bit about that, the role blood donation plays in emergency? So one of the things that comes up often because of my involvement with emergency management is that as soon as there's any kind of an event, whatever it be, a storm, or in our case, we're always preparing for an earthquake, or in other places, prepare for different things, you know that as soon as the event happens, there's going to be a shortage of blood, platelets especially. Um, and it's one of those things where if you are already donating regularly, one of the things that I try to do is be a little bit more public about that, to try and encourage other people. A little bit of, of setting an example, trying to say, hey, it's not, you know, I do this all the time, but it's also, here's this need. We understand that there's always a need, but especially right now, because of whatever it is that just happened in our community, the need is so much greater. And that's true for both whole blood and platelets. Tell me about donating platelets. What, what made you decide to switch from whole blood to platelets? The decision to start donating platelets was really one of realizing that I was able to. 
that I had an opportunity to donate in a way that a lot of other people maybe couldn't or wouldn't necessarily be willing to. Even when I was working for Microsoft, it was on a flexible schedule so I could take off time whenever I needed to to do this kind of thing. Now that I'm working for myself, it's obvious I can take off whenever I want to. I get to choose when I'm working and when I'm doing things like this. Because I have that opportunity, because I'm able to, that kind of sort of made it obvious that, you know, yeah, since you can, maybe this is a way you can donate in ways that other people may not be able to. Yeah, and so um, when you, you start off by saying, you know, you first decided to donate blood because there was a drive at work. Was that at Microsoft? Yes. Yeah, and I hear from, you're not the first donor that I've heard from who's reached a milestone to say, you know, I saw the bus and I figured, why not? What, what was it that made you get into that bus that day? The only thing that comes to mind, like I said, I'm not completely sure, but my wife was a, uh, an LPN for several years and she was involved in the medical profession. So I already understood, not ne even necessarily the level of need, but the what would happen with it, what it was used for, why it was important, how donations end up helping, maybe not the community at that time, but certainly the people in need. Uh, so it just sort of fit. Yeah, and can you remember back, I know, like, you know, now that you've done this 105 times, it's probably hard to remember the specifics, but, like, I remember my first time donating blood really well. Um, what was it that got you to come back? What had me coming back was the combination of understanding the need and then realizing that the experience wasn't an issue. Donating blood at that time, very, very simple, very easy. It's even easier now. But the point is that there's a barrier, I think, the first time you do it, you're not sure what it's going to be like, how long it's going to take, will it hurt, those kinds of things. And there was just no issue. When I saw other folks who donated blood and then felt faint afterwards, once again, I realized that, okay, I can do this. I didn't feel faint. I'm, I'm built for this, <laughs> right? Um, that meant that, okay, that's another reason for me to keep doing it, to come back. Yeah, so one challenge we've had with the pandemic, and so you say that, you know, your flexible schedule helps you come in here, but we also have found over the years that, you know, having a blood drive come to your work and actually be where you are helps a lot. And so I would say making the commitment to come in every day, you know, or every week or every other week, even if you do have a flexible schedule, is really huge. Um, but in this time of the pandemic, workplaces are closed. We can't do blood drives. Like we have pop-ups. Like, I guess, what advice do you have for really sticking to the commitment? One of the things that the staff here do is they offer while I'm here to make my next appointment which is a wonderful opportunity to just do it, get it done, be over. Personally, I go home and I do it the day, you know, as soon as I get home. But just making that next appointment right away is probably one of the best ways you can make sure that you're going to be on the calendar and you have an opportunity to come back. During the pandemic, I think one of the things that a lot of people might be concerned about is seeing other people, being interacting with other people. 
And I think one of the things that's very important to perhaps emphasize is that I'm masked, right? I'm well away from everybody here, but I'm masked. You're masked. Everybody around me is masked. This is a, one of the safest environments I can think of during the pandemic to be able to do something like this. Especially now, because there aren't any uh, uh, blood drives going on at the workplace, it's that much more important for those of us who can to take that extra effort to come in, make the, make the appointment, donate whole blood, donate platelets, whatever it is you can do. You can do it, perhaps other people can't, and we know that there's a huge, huge need. In terms of blood works, honestly, for anybody that's considering donating, there's really no reason not to. Um, everybody here is, is awesome. I've never had a bad experience with any of the folks here. Um, the, the process of donation is a lot less intrusive than you think it is. When it comes down to donating platelets, if that's something you can consider, at least investigate it. For me, it's an hour and a half where I get to sit back and relax and read or watch a video on my phone or do something like that um, while the donation happens. It's really not that big of a deal. And I really encourage people to investigate it and see if it might be something that they would be interested in doing as well. Leo Notenboom is living proof of the power of a positive outlook in life. Leo said he didn't know what pulled him through that bloodmobile's door all those years ago, but we think in what he just said, he found the answer. Spreading optimism, human kindness, and hope is clearly in Leo's blood. It's why he helps rescue stricken animals and herds corgis in that explosion of cuteness every summer. Because that's what blood and platelet donation is, hope offered, when nothing else will do. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bloodworks 101. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and if you can't be more like Leo and get a corgi, be more like Leo by scheduling an appointment to donate blood or platelets this month at bloodworksnw.org. Our blood supply is so desperate right now that we've run out of adjectives to describe it. We really need your help. If you have any story ideas for a future episode of Bloodworks 101, please email them to me at w-h-a-r-p-e-r at bloodworksnw.org. That's all for now. Be well, stay warm, and stay safe. One last thing. If you're wondering why this episode is called When Corgis Fly, click over to blog.bloodworksnw.org and find Leo's story at the top of the page. It'll make your day.